Welcome to Beer Net Radio. Listen to on every continent except Antarctica. B double E double Beer. Beer Net Radio. Yeah, big pizza party. Big <laughs> Oh man. So well now hold on. Hold up here. She left you with the baby alone? Yeah, not during the day. She's with the grandma right now. But Well, no, I'm not worried about what you're working. Don't worry about that. I'm worried about <laughs> you taking care of a baby alone. So has that happened before overnight? I guess uh, so. Yeah, one time. And um, you, you did okay, I'm assuming? Yeah. Well, I'm getting to do it again, so. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, that just means last one's to get out. No, uh, it went well. I mean, she she sleeps great, so she goes down at seven. So it's really just between four and seven. That's that's the hectic time. I'm setting up also while I'm podcasting because I can do two things at once. I did get a new iPad because I go through periods where I love the iPad, right? Yeah. I can't get enough of the iPad. And then I get tired of the iPad and I give it away. And then I go a few years on the laptop and now I'm just... You're missing your iPad again? Yeah. I don't know why. It's just another thing to carry. It doesn't do anything better. In fact, it's worse. Now, you know, the one thing it was lighter. Now it's just as heavy as the as the MacBook Air. <laughs> if not heavier. I don't know how I don't know if they put lead in this thing. <laughs> I wonder can you set up an Aweber with the iPad? Push the issue out? I'm gonna try that. I'll try it tonight. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you can't do it on your phone, and that would that would be awesome if you could, just in case you were ever in. Are a they pinch, still using but... Flash? Is that the issue? <laughs> Aweber's still using Flash, a '90s technology that's been done. All right, let's let Bill Schufelt in. Hey, how's it going? Good hey, afternoon, Bill. Bill. How are you? Great, thanks. Can you guys hear me? I oh, yeah. can hear you good. Uh, yeah. Uh, can you hear us? More importantly. <laughs> yeah, good to get here. Okay, good. Well, great to see you in person yesterday. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you more. There was uh, people there, you know, other people are just uh, just a problem. But um, but yeah, this is uh, this is Bill Schufelt at the at the Athletic Brewing, and um, you know, Bill, um, I don't know if your ears were burning about a week ago, but we talked about you on this very podcast, Beernet Radio. The podcast where all your dreams come true. I heard a uh, long-time listener, second-time caller. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, anyway, you know, congratulations on your round. Uh, D-round, uh, $75 million raised, 50 from KDP. Um, leaving your options open, but a good partner to have is what I'm hearing from you. And plus, it's nice to have $75 million in your back pocket. Um, but you've also got, you've also got expenses and you, you're ramping up you three breweries and so tell me, um, where you are in production and then we can get to kind of sales and marketing, but like you're in 50 States, how are you on production and supplying the markets? Yeah. Um, I, I think things we've talked about in person at your conferences and others, and, um, I've, I've been a huge proponent of brand building, marketing, um, saying that craft beer under indexes in marketing. Um, so it's 
but also I think um, for a long time being commercial hasn't been cool. Um, but especially in an economy like this, I think there's nothing cooler than having a financially stable company that provides great jobs for people. And so like, I'm really first and foremost looking out for our teammates, our partners, things like that on the road ahead. And the goal is to build a long-term stable company. Um, and this essentially provided us evergreen or not evergreen, like our permanent capital to get to profitability with a super strong partner who knows what the road ahead looks like. And, you know, now we've got a great supplier partner in our boardroom who can help us scale, but also like that pairs with a lot of great partners we have in the industry who I have the ear of as well. So we feel really well advised and positioned for the road ahead. And um, so that was a big part of this for sure. Um, and yeah, it's a, uh, I, I think different with athletic than a lot of, um, I, I heard the discussion last week about profitability and everything. It's a, uh, it's not that our unit, like unit economics aren't great. Like right. we're raising a ton of money because we're investing unlike anyone else in our facilities, quality, our people. Um, so. Yeah. When, and when, you know, we were remarked upon like, ah, oh, it's surprising. It's still unprofitable, but uh, you know, I also didn't, really think about the three huge production facilities that you've built. Cause I still, you know, I'm everybody's a contract brewer to me in my mind, you know, I always, that's why I led with production because I forget production to me is something that's done by other people in another land. And, and, uh, and we all forget about it because you, what you're doing is very unique. Most entrepreneurs start and they 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 contract brew right they the the production's the last thing that you think of and but but for this product i think it's really important because getting it right is not easy right and so you have put a big chunk of investment into that and so you're you're looking long term is is what i'm hearing you say yeah and you know anyone who's built a manufacturing business knows and like we we built and then we learned but, uh, you know, if you operate facilities at not full capacity, it's bad business. And that's why you hear anyone from our industry, the ball and everyone who runs manufacturing businesses, you've got to scale that manufacturing and sales so perfectly in timing. And so we're finally at a good spot where we've learned to do that. And But yeah, most of the money we've raised has gone right into the ground to build good manufacturing where we can make really differentiated high quality beer with our own people manning every piece of equipment throughout the building. And then um, also investing into the markets. So it's, it's not like we're just pumping all this money into digital advertising and it goes into the ether. It's uh, actually, that's what I thought, exactly what I thought you did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually uh, Ed from Manhattan beer, I thought put it incredibly well on stage yesterday um, at the conference for about that. It, uh, but talking about the four things that suppliers need to do, and it's like, it's marketing your product and have people go into the shelf looking for your product. It's people in markets building those local relationships with distributors and retailers and, you know, being top of mind of people in person and then um, having chain teams landing those placements. And so we've invested a lot into all those areas to make sure that the brand pulls at retail and that there's people on the ground. And, um, you know, we've, we've invested a lot in our brand. I think, um, in with any distributor relationship across any state, we've over invested in CPC across the board, everywhere we do business. So. Right. And 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present Jordan Driggers. Jordan Driggers, everybody. Jordan, okay. welcome to the call. And uh, I wanted to welcome you because if I, I, I'm trying to become more cognizant of hogging the mic, Bill, because other people do have a point of view. And it's, it's not all about me, apparently, which I hate. <laughs> but, Did you so, just forget your next question? Is that why you're calling me out? Yes, that's exactly Sorry. I probably <laughs> no. also went a mile too deep on profitability there as well. No, <laughs> sorry, Jordan. No, that was perfect. Um, going back to uh, KDP, you know, Bill, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of large players um, in the beverage industry, and I'm just wondering, you know, who seems to be more bullish on non-alc beer? Is it, you know, some of the, is it the big brewers or some of the big, you know, soda big beverage um, players? Have you kind of got a feel for that? Um. Yeah, I, I don't want to say I have a pulse on what everyone thinks for sure. It's um, I I would say this investment we did talk to like both traditional funding like VC, private equity, family offices, and beverage strategics, and um, and this was really won by KDP. It's um, I mean, it like people when we got in the room with, we were like, wow, these are really collaborative, fast moving people, and. One of the scariest things for athletic is like we consider ourselves such innovators, fast moving company um, that likes to invest deeply. And the scariest thing to us was getting someone from any of those buckets of types of investors in our boardroom or that would slow us down. And um, it, so at the end of the day, this was a you know, supplier to supplier relationship with people we really liked. And we would get off phone calls or in person meetings and been like, wow, they're dynamic. And um, that's, right from the top to uh, Bob Gamgord and Justin Whitmore, um, two really special people, and um, we're excited to work with them. Yeah, yeah, they are good folks. And, uh, and you know, you've, you've said that this, this doesn't affect distribution at this time at all. Um, beer distributors have been good partners, seems like. And um, when you think about athletic, one of the things that, that I've been thinking about in anticipation of talking to you is this is everybody's dream, right? To, to find a, an, an overlooked, underinvested category in beverages and to build a, just a quality brand in that category. Easier said than done. And non-alc beer was, has been neglected, in, especially in America. And you, you've come in and helped change that. But playing devil's advocate, is there a ceiling on that consumer? You know, and I, I see that you're the second biggest adult brand in, in Whole Foods. And that's great, but that, that, that also kind of scare you that that's, you know, there's a limit to the high-end kind of uh, uh, high-end drinker. Or have we just scratched the surface? That's my question. Yeah, I I mean, you're asking one of the most delusionally optimistic people in the industry, <laughs> like, does, <laughs> does this category have a feature? And uh, I, well, I think a big part of that is John, our co-founder. Um, when I set out on this, I never expected to find a business partner who was as talented and incredible as he is. Um, and I, I think John had won basically every award on the alcoholic side. And so now non-alcoholic beer has probably the most talented person who's ever worked on non-alcoholic beer in the industry for the first time. And um, in that, it um, you know, I think these are really durable megatrends. It's, uh, you know, it, and I, I think the economists um, in the industry have really come around to this, like Bart and Lester and Danelle, like, um, it, 
it's to hear Lester talk about the opportunity here and encourage everyone in the industry to get into the category. Like I'm, I'm right there. My goal is to, whether you're drinking or not drinking any day of the week, to be able to pull out a menu and be like, I want this kind of beer, wine, spirits. And like tonight, it's not going to be alcoholic. It's going to be non-alcoholic, but like, you know, the same trucks, the same retailers, everyone is selling the same products. So it's incremental business. And those are just cases and beverages that won't have gotten drunk historically. Um, but I do think that, um, that pool of population. So there are so many people who are either lapsed or maybe considered to never enter the adult beverage industry in its current form. We have a chance to invite them back into the beer aisle for the first time in five, 10, 20 years or for the first time ever. But also like 80% of our customers are big customers of the category now drinking on other nights of the week, other hours of the day, shopping in other shops on premise. And so I think this is an unlock that you know, I'm really glad we haven't had the like the boom bust type cycle that some other categories have because it's um, like grow the category growing at 20, 30 percent a year every year is great for me. And yeah. um, I hope it I, I think that's the pace that people are just realizing, oh, wow, I can have an awesome beer any day of the week. And, you know, it's 1144 a.m. and I had a cold beer on my desk. Um, and that's just like, that's not me running my business. That's me just loving a cold beer at noon because it's a possibility now. Right. And, and by the way, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I, I really do. And I was a skeptic at first as well. Like a lot of people, I think in the beer business, cause you know, it's been tried before. It just wasn't tried the right way and at the wrong time. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, wins in your back with health and wellness and, uh, people just not drinking as much ethanol. Sorry. I'm not last point. Yeah. I, I think it's a rounding error, honestly, how much ethanol people drink. It's like, like as we zoom in and out over long time periods, it's pretty consistent, but like the, it's, it's not like a new temperance movement or sobriety. I think so many people miss that and they're like, oh, here comes sober Gen Z. It, it's not necessarily that it's, it's everyone, mostly people who drink alcohol now drinking more times during the week and loving it. So Right. Um, that's a, that's yeah, a good point. Because like, like you said, like Lester says, it's two and a half gallons. It's always been two and a half gallons. It sometimes goes to 2.55, you know, but it's two and a half gallons of pure ethanol a year. And, and it, what happens underneath that is a lot of uh, clawing and scratching and moving around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things that you, you, you've done very well is, is the branding of it and, and your brand marketing component. And when you started out, you know, it was very, um, athletic you know it was kind of runners and and was your focus which makes sense as you've moved on to a broader base of drinkers has your message changed or is it still pretty much the same as when you started yeah we our our goal right out of the gate was to work really hard to just like obliterate the stigma and so um you know non-alcoholic beer had always been this penalty box like if you're drinking it like it's not a great situation you're in and we wanted to like hit that really hard and flip it on its head. So, you know, getting the the fittest person in your community drinking our beer or the most like aspirational positive lifestyle. And then um that then it all ladders out from there. Where like, you know, me as a suburban father, like, yeah, I may only have 20 minutes, but like 20 minutes to work out. And like, so I grab the stroller, run my kid around the block, but like 
still want to have a beer that like makes me feel aspirational. So like um, kind of laddering up to make it really approachable to anyone, anywhere. And so, yeah, we started with like elite Ironman type racers and um, building up to like musicians, celebrities and stuff like that. So, so your message has stayed consistent as you've grown and your marketing has, has increased. Tell me about the feet on the street. How do you um, gauge like uh, when you enter a new market, how do you go about that? Yeah. And, and you don't have, you know, you don't have draft and things like that. Right. Yep. Um, not yet, at least. So um, actually we are piloting draft selectively. So oh. um, I but, told um, you we'd get some news out of them, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, see, that's how you work old Bill. You just, uh, you say something that you know to be true. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm um, just kidding. Go ahead. I'm a total open book. So, yes. um, but Where do you go uh, public. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We've definitely been like one of the scariest things in the world to me would be to like send beer and just be like, Oh, hope it sells well. And like not support it at all, not have anyone on the ground. So we do try to have a full-time person in the market who's essentially like CEO of that state when we go live. And our, our sales team is just incredible people. And we have regional managers and a whole national chain team. And um, so, yeah, we, I would say uh, like we, so whatever our CPC budget is, we agree to distributors on. Athletic usually goes 50% above that also in supporting our local markets. Um, and yeah, we invest really heavily in where we go to business. And that's, yeah, both, we do a lot of sampling. So um, it's obviously a growth category and people kind of need to taste it to get it. So I think we did 2,500 in-person activations and samplings this year, something like that. That's expensive, but... Um it seems to work because it kind of fans out people talk and on social media. And um, so I think sampling is that it was in favor and then it's lost favor. And then now it's gained favor again, now that the pandemic's over because, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary and especially for emerging market now or category rather. Now you have a pretty robust uh, capturing system of capturing who your drinkers are and some of that's, I guess, through DTC and, and events and stuff. And, and so how does that work in and how important is that to, to you as you enter new, develop new markets? Yeah, it, it's really I'm most helpful in, in new existing markets, anything. Um, our first party data, our first party data and ability to acquire new customers digitally is a great, is probably the single best way to support both of the other tiers of business. Um, you know, we're bringing in over 10,000 new customers a month digitally and over half of them buy at retail within the first 90 days. So um, like the more we share with our distributor partners, the bigger supporters they are of our D2C. Um, so it's it's kind of just one way of us developing the market. Um, but at the end of the day, most people prefer to buy all goods at the store anyway. So we drive a lot more people that direction than would ever leave the store and come by on our website. So, um, and you know, our retailers and distributors love that like all of our innovation happens and our mistakes happen and everything happens in that channel. And by the time we get it out to retail, it's a very streamlined approach where, you know, we're not asking them to sell 27 SKUs or 18 different kinds of IPAs every year. It's 
we're asking them to sell five really focused products and they're going to be really well supported. And so um, yeah. I think it's a win, win, win for all three tiers for sure. I, I do too. I, I think, I think the few distributors that just blanket oppose DTC are there. It's a little bit short-sighted because it's not a lot of volume. As I've always said, beer is what Jordan heavy beer is heavy, especially relative <laughs> to its price. So it doesn't make sense to sip it to your house. And then you have to have an ID. You have to be there. There's a lot of reasons, you know, and it's a great proving ground. Ex exactly what you said. Why are you going to come in with eight SKUs if you already know which three you're going to really hit in that particular market already? Do you do a lot of uh, paid social media or is it more, um, I don't know what else. I'm, I'm trying to think of the t right terms to use. I know that, I, I know what I'm thinking of. I just don't have the language. <laughs> I would say under the marketing sun, we do everything. So it's uh, um there's so many tools out there and some are paid, some are organic. Like we do a ton of behind the scenes stuff at our breweries and our team in the world. And so we're really trying to just get our like authentic brand voice out there to the community. So. All right. And, and does it mirror um, real beer, real bill, sorry, not real beer, alcohol beer. It's all real beer. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. Sure. This is all real beer. Is it same with real, uh, I'm sorry, alcohol craft beer that it's like a hazy IPA is the big thing? I mean, what kind of styles are you seeing take off with this category? Yeah. Um, our, so our portfolio is pretty balanced. Um, like Run Wild is our biggest award winner. It's our highest velocity skew. It's our most well-distributed skew. Still only at 17% national ACV. So there's a huge opportunity there. But that that's like kind of a very approachable West Coast IPA. Um, yeah. But like none of our beers are over 30% of our portfolio. So it's uh, it's pretty balanced. Um, but IPAs are definitely the leading styles. Um, our athletic light is coming on really strong. So it, it, athletic light doesn't have many chain placements. So that kind of knocks out 50% of our business right there from mm -hmm. that beer, but it's almost 10% of our business. Um, and it just won a global gold medal at the World Beer Awards for best non-alcoholic lager, which like, as everyone knows, like European non-alcoholic lagers is a huge thing. Um, and it won the bronze medal at the Euro Beer Star too, which is a huge European competition. So um, Athletic Light is definitely one to look out for in the years ahead for sure. Huh. I'm going to try to get a few questions in here real quick. Uh, Harry mentioned draft earlier, so I have to ask about the on-premise partnership with Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, you know, y'all, I, I think y'all got in right before football season. So how has that been so far? Great. I, I think they're very forward-looking um, category partners for sure. So um, I really admire how they build their menus and their set. So it's been been a great relationship and we're definitely investing there. And um, we've had a lot of on-premise wins, um, everything from hotels to experiential stuff to bars and restaurants. But um, bars and restaurants are about a third of our buying account base these days. Oh, really? Okay. okay. So you're in all 50 states. You're penetrating the on-premise. You've got plenty of marketing with ads and partnerships with professional and collegiate athletes. Is there another lever that y'all are kind of eyeing to pull? The work's just starting. It's just because you turned on a state doesn't mean like you've got the state covered. It's like we've we've still got to go up and down the street and sell in hundreds of accounts in every state. It's um, 
you know, accounts aren't going to open themselves and we rely on our partners to make the deliveries after we do that. But we're kind of eyes wide open that we need to invest in opening accounts, doing the marketing, building the business. And so um, it makes it a lot easier for chain buyers to uh, more easily turn on our brand if we have a better distribution network. But um, up and down the street, we're putting in a ton of work. So that's going to be a two, three, five year effort to get these ACVs up for sure. Right. And the reason I ask that is because it seems like, you know, craft brewers, when they obviously you still want to penetrate into the markets you're in, but it seems like once they reach a point kind of where it seems y'all are at right now, uh, the next kind of step is expanding pack sizes, you know, going beyond six packs, getting into single serves. Is that something that y'all think about? Is that something that makes sense for non-out beer? Um, have you tested it in any of these types of packs? For sure. Yeah, we, um, yeah, right, right pack, right price, right channel. It all applies, same stuff applies to non-alcoholic beers. It does alcoholic beer. So um, we're definitely trying to service our um, third tier customers as best we can. Um, but it's, um, I, I think yeah, craft beer tends to over innovate on either brand or packaging rather than like talking about what is great about their company. And like, so we're trying to over index on like being in person, being there, making sure people know about our brand and um, rather than like hyper innovating for the reason of innovating, we want to like pitch our most highly awarded and fastest velocity SKUs. So. Your your plan and your growth has been very deliberate and and it's exceeded, I would say, your expectations and everybody else's. I mean, is that fair to say, Bill? I mean, when you started out, did you think you would grow? What, what's your barrelage now like uh 100 over much do you... yeah we we don't really provide <laughs> real-time or forward-looking business updates as a private oh company, okay but, um, I, okay yeah, I, but uh, we did um 105,000 barrels last year and we so we you'll do that in early 200 and, you'll do 200 and something thousand this year probably <laughs> if we had to do math which we don't do very well in this <laughs> podcast but yeah let's just say 200 and change so <laughs> Um, that's a big brewer. Like, I mean, to go from that, what did you start? 2018? That is, that's, that's, uh, very almost unheard of. It, it, it reminds me of Boston beer, honestly, except that he was a, a contract brewer, but he was so, you know, um, Jim was so deliberate in his, um, you know, he took things slowly, even though it seemed really fast it still was methodical and he didn't skip any steps. And I, I see that with you and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, maybe, you know, who knows, you might be the, the next, the, the next, uh, who's that crypto guy, Friedman. What's his name? Frank, Frank, Frank. <laughs> I, he has much better hair. That's a lot to live up to, but you, you um, think that's better hair, huh? You think that's better? <laughs> No, I'm um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this in post because I'm not making a good point. Um, but, but I guess uh, the point I'm making is you, you seem very. Uh, let me get back on track. You see, you seem very methodical, and it's worked. And and so, um, does that surprise you, or is it just kind of on plan? So I had it was a fun time yesterday catching up with my co-founder John and our CEO Jamie, and um, you know it's it's really such a team effort. Like even if John and I had the biggest vision ever five years ago, it couldn't have happened without, you know, Jamie and our facilities team getting the new brewery up in 10 months under budget. And like, there's so many people across the country on our team that are 
like just doing great things. And, um, but it's, I think the category is still just there hiding in plain sight. You know, Athletic is only doing so much marketing. We're one company. We really admire what Heineken Zero has done um, in the category. And I think there's just awareness in the category is still super low. And, yeah. um, you know, I it sounds delusionally optimistic, but there's probably as much beer to be sold outside of traditional beer drinking occasions than there is inside beer drinking occasions that the beer world's still missing. And right. so, I mean, it's, it's literally just brick by brick, a thousand decisions like every week, every day, but um, it, it's fun to zoom out and see how far the categories come, but it's still just like a baby step to where it's going, I think. Right. And when Heineken and Peroni and, well, everybody, AB, when they invest heavily in this category, does that scare you or does that uh, say, hey, well, it's, it's, it's validating the, the category? It's awesome. I mean, the goal was like this company started because I was a guy who loved beer and just had huge pain points when you'd go out to restaurants and not be able to get anything decent on a non-alcoholic menu. And if you can open up a bar menu or look at tap handles and everything and get just as good options, non-alcoholic as you can alcoholic, I think that's great. And it'll continue to knock down walls and stigmas. And so we're super happy to have the help built in the category. Um, and are just really confident in what we built, um, kind of the moats behind us, but also like where the category is going, honestly. We, I would say we spend like one-tenth of one percent thinking about competition. Yeah. Well, Have you seen most retailers expanding their shelf space for non-alc for the coming year? For sure. I think a few leading retailers have told have shown people that there's tens of millions of dollars just sitting in the existing same shelf space if they just turn over the set, um, like don't have to move the dimensions, anything, just product assortment is tens of millions of dollars of unlock. And a few retailers have shown that and we're seeing the whole category turn pretty quickly for fall and spring resets. Okay. So you've started to see some of those older non-out brands that come to mind, get replaced with newer, fresher non-out brands. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah trying to think of the right way to phrase that but it's uh there is a there is some element of churn in the category but there's a lot more discovery than churn going on i would say okay they don't have much space to begin with so yeah, i guess is was... what you're saying for a non-alc it's, it's very high margin and and like you said it could be incremental you know even off-premise it could be incremental if you're going at the end of the night or if you know uh uh, you know, if, yeah, if you want something that's for your people that don't drink or you want to drink longer than you thought you were. I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting at. But <laughs> just, so just in the last 24, 36 hours, I bumped into five different people um, who said, you know, Athletic is now my final two beers of every night when I'm out of the bar. It's like I have two alcoholic drinks and I used to only order two drinks and now I order four or five drinks. And right. like, it, it so succinctly summarizes the opportunity. And these are people who have always loved beer, always will love beer, but now having like one or two non-alcoholic beers in a session, which would have been absolutely unheard of five, 10 years ago. Right. And and by the way, Jen apologizes. She's, uh, she's a little under the weather. She wanted to be on here. And she also mentioned last week that Athletic is her number one uh, brand. She spends more on athletic than any other single beer brand so and she drinks a lot 
So it's not, you know, she's not a teetotaler over there. She's, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of a drunk, actually. So, uh, so that should. I appreciate, I appreciate yeah. how forward-looking you guys have always been. That's, uh, you know, when Jen and Jordan talked to me and John, that um, I forget if it was CBC or GABF, super early on. I was yeah. like, I, I can't believe legitimate beer outlets are talking to us. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, so uh, we oh, yes. really appreciate how forward-looking you guys are. Yeah, yeah, it's very wow. anything that's incremental. I mean, that, I think if if I had to say that's you know, there's always a, a buzzword every few years in the industry, right? It's health and wellness, or it's and right now it's incrementality, incrementality, mm -hmm. because everybody's waking up that that same two and a half gallons is not going to change. So we need to think about incrementality and occasionality, and that extra beer, that extra drink, that extra occasion, blah 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 blah, and. Uh, so it, it, it does fit, it really does fit in a lot of areas that people are thinking about and focusing on both within the industry and within the consumer base. And that's rarely aligned, uh, when the industry and the consumer are actually thinking the moving in the same direction. Um, it's a rare magic. And I think yeah. that's what we're seeing, uh, here. I think it's going to happen in a big way in the next two to three years. I think we've really been base building here and like awareness building in the industry. And um, yeah, I think clearing up some of the misconceptions that like, yes, this is incrementality, not a new temperance movement. Um, and also like, you know, we've, we've had some distribution partners for two plus years even who don't still really get the opportunity. Um, we have amazing partners in the middle tier too who have, really bought into this opportunity but um i think some people still see it as a threat and so maybe don't pitch it and um i i think um i think as the industry comes around to it and realizes wow this is a lot of extra cases on every drop potentially and so we should be opening up every independent every chain account we can um i think there's just a huge amount of opportunity there absolutely even if it does take away from beer sales at least you're the one carrying it mm -hmm. you know i mean you you want it to go to you, right? Uh, that's why I, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on the energy drink thing. People are like, I don't want to take it because it's going to get yanked away. But I'm like, yeah, but if you make 10 million bucks in gross profit in the meantime, that's better than the kick in the pants, right? But they're like, yeah, but we have to ramp up and then you have to fire people. I'd rather not have the 10 million so I don't have to fire anybody. And I guess, you know, that's, that's right too. I would rather have forego 10 million than have to fire Jordan. That's how much I care okay. about you, Jordan. So as long as we're, you know, putting, anyway, I'm making a speech and I'm, I've yeah. been told not to. We're, we're always right there investing out in front of everyone. So it's, um, we're, we're committed to building our brand and, um, being good partners for sure. So great. Well, thank you for being on Bill and Jordan, unless there's something else that, that we've missed. I just had one question. Uh, it just kind of popped in my head when you were talking about people saying, you know, the last two beers I drink at night, um, are athletic and, you know, since you started and to where you are now, have you seen like non-alc beer become more of a, like a social occasion drinking than, you know, an individual making a choice like people buying athletic for a party they're about to go to people buying a round of athletics at the bar. Have you seen that kind of development and people accepting on out for sure. Accepting is uh, not a good word, but I always hugely overweight anecdotal evidence. So like when people tell me when they're drinking athletic, I listen when I'm at barbecues, I'm always like, 
checking out coolers and seeing what's moving, what's not. And I, I will say like any cooler I've ever put our beer in at like a barbecue or a family event, it, it always goes. And it's like, they're not drinking it because it's me. They're drinking it because it fits perfect for them in that occasion. And so um, I definitely seeing those walls tumble down. And I think it makes it a lot easier when you have anyone from JJ Watt to David Chang to Carly Kloss to Naomi Osaka drinking it and talking about it, it uh, really starts to like tackle some of those stigmas that have been left up around the category for sure. Jordan, who was that uh, famous actor that wanted to invest in non-out beer and I told him he was nuts? Ryan Gosling. It was Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Damn it. I, sh- I just, that just popped into my head. I had like f- four conversations with Ryan Gosling about him. You couldn't- when it, this is way this was way <laughs> before athletic was around um but not way before it was just a few years ago but um anyway uh if you need need his agent's number if you want to do an e-round um yeah, I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's sure he's available um, do you have ryan gosling's number do you want to share it on there i i do yeah i, I do have his agent's number yes um all right well but you know what I think you got a good thing going, Bill. You don't need me to tell you that, but it's just, uh, I just love seeing an, an entrepreneurial, very thought out, very intelligently thought out, and then it actually works, and it's working very well, and uh, I wish you well, and uh, we'll we'll have you on again in another six months to a year and check in with you if that's all right. Uh, thank you so much for the support and the conversation. It's a uh... Glad it appears well thought out from the outside. Um, it does. It does. But uh, it does. it's uh, we psyched to see you guys in person in Florida in a few months too. Yes, For sure. Janu- January eighth. Be there. Get out of the cold. No, dang it! I always screw up our tagline. What's the point of a tagline if you forget it? It's get out of the snow and into the no. There you go. All right, guys. See you later. Take care. And thank you it. for drinking beer. Thank you both so much.